Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977, or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. Amen. You feel good in your soul? Amen. Let's go to the book of Matthew, the 12th chapter. I want to I wanna teach. I really want to just go where I was at last week, but I'm going to go at it from a different angle. I've been hanging out in Genesis chapter 6 where Noah, where Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord and began to build an ark. I've actually stole some terminology there from... Um, from Damon, who preached for some time on that, maybe back in uh, 2019, maybe on that. Um, could have been as far as back to 18, but I think it was a series of messages he preached on Noah in 2019. And he was using that word ark as an apostolic uh, revival culture. And so this morning, I want to go at it just from a, a different different angle and... Um, found in Matthew chapter 12. I was really torn what uh, what to talk about this morning, but I think I'm going to blend them into two. Some of the things that I'm going to bring up this morning, we've been after, or I have personally been after, probably since I was uh, 20 years old. And so that's some 20 years ago. And so, but how many knows that the promises of God are yes and amen? And I do believe that we are a time to see some things fulfilled. How many believe that? Are you ready to walk in all that God has promised you? All right. So Matthew chapter 12, I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. And then I also have the New King James because uh, Brian Simmons ain't got the rest of it uh, in between leather yet. So, uh, so anyhow, you got your word or your phone? Look at how many Bibles. The mature believers have the Bible. I got that from Dutch Sheets. He said the mature have the actual copy. Uh, listen, Bible or whatever you got, phone, whatever. Matthew chapter 12. I'm in the Passion Translation of verse 1. Let's pray right quick. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I just ask, help me preach good today. Uh, let the people of God uh, just, just get a greater vision, Lord, of what we're here for. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Matthew chapter 12, verse 1. One Saturday, on the day of rest... Jesus and his disciples were walking through a field of wheat. The disciples were hungry, so they plucked off some heads of grain and rubbed them in their hands to eat. But when some of the Pharisees saw what was happening, they said to him, Look, your disciples shouldn't be harvesting grain on the Sabbath. Jesus responded, Haven't you ever read what King David and the men and his men did when they were hungry. They entered the house of God and ate the sacred bread of God's presence, violating the law by eating bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. And haven't you read in the Torah that the priest violated the rules of the Sabbath by carrying out their duties in the temple on a, on a Saturday? Yet they are without blame. But I say to you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. If you could learn the meaning of the words, 
I want compassion more than sacrifice. You wouldn't be condemning my innocent disciples. For the Son of Man exercises his lordship over the Sabbath. Look at verse 9. Then Jesus left them and went into the synagogue where he encountered a man who had an atrophy or paralyzed hand. The fault-finding Pharisees asked Jesus, is it, permit, is it permissible to perform a work of healing on the Sabbath when no one is supposed to work? They only ask him this question because they hope to accuse him of breaking the Jewish laws. Verse 11, he answered them and says, If any of you had a lamb that fell into a ditch on the Sabbath, wouldn't you reach out your hand and lift it out? Isn't a man much more valuable than a lamb? So, of course, it is always proper to do miracles even on the Sabbath. Then he turned to the man and said, Hold out your hand. King James, surrender that stretch forth thy hand. And as he stretched it out, look at this. As he began to stretch it out, uh, it was restored exactly like his other hand. Immediately the Pharisees went out and started to scheme about how they would do away with him. Ain't it funny how they was accustomed to seeing this man with the atrophied hand attend their services week in and week out. But when Jesus showed up and manifested power, they was ready to get rid of him. And so if you look back into church history, there's some early writings that would have that this man was a bricklayer. He was a builder. And one of the things that he, he was asking Jesus that he could no longer work because of his hand being atrophied. Now, I want to use this atrophied or withered hand as a, an example or a picture of the fivefold that I believe that is in this region. And this morning, I want to preach what I believe our call is as a church body and what I believe that God is doing, especially in the region of the South, that God is wanting to heal the hand of the church. Now, I was probably around 19 years old or 20 if you've been here for some time and you sit under the teaching of Pastor Dale. Um, one of the things that he would use of the fivefold expression of God is he would use his hand. How many members him using the analogy of the hand? He would hold up the hand and he would preach about, he would talk about, use it as an analogy of the Ephesians 4 uh, verse 11 where he says that God gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be uh, pastors and teacher and he would hold his hand up and um, and he would say that the the teacher is the little finger this is the finger that you pick with this is the the little finger then he would hold up the ring finger uh, which is the uh, the the, the pastor because he's married to the flock. Then he would hold up the middle finger, which is the bird finger. That's the evangelist that causes all the trouble. Come on, somebody. And the, the, the bird finger, I hate to use it as that. That's just what we know it all. We're in the South, okay? The bird finger is the longest on your hand, which he is the outreach of the church, the evangelist. Then he would point with the index finger, which would represent the prophet. Are you with me now? Because he is the one that points and gives direction and guides the church. Church. Then he would use the thumb as the apostolic gift. And notice that the apostolic gift has the ability to touch all of the other four, but it also has the ability that when all of the other four submitted, it locks them in place. And what he talked about is as to the world, the world doesn't know what we're doing when we're shooting them a bird. Come on, somebody. The world doesn't know what we're doing when we're pointing them up pointing the finger. So I want to talk this morning on the subject of the fivefold. I want to talk about some things that we have contended for for 20 plus years, some 30 years now. 
And I want to talk about God restoring the withered hand of the fivefold in the south so that we can get in a full expression of who Christ is. Now let me say this. How many knows that the goal is not that you attend church? The goal is that Christ be formed in you. Uh, Colossians chapter 4, Paul said, I labor with intensity. I, I, I labor as a woman labors in childbirth with intensity so that Christ be formed in your hearts. That is the will of God for every person in this room for Christ to be fully formed in your heart. Not that we re uh, remain in immaturity. Say it like this. Salvation is free, but maturity is costly. You with me? Alamite, shift that up and change it up to a C right there. What, what was playing earlier right here. All right, thank you. All right, so let's look at this. So one of the things that I looked at, and I was thinking, okay, an atrophied hand, how does the muscles get atrophied? One of the things is, is it's from a lack of use. I believe that we have overused some gifts, and some gifts we've not even begun to use because we don't even recognize them. A lot of times, especially in the South, I grew up in church, the prophets were Isaiah, Ezekiel, come on somebody, Jeremiah, and Daniel, then we had some, and the minor prophets. That's all we knew about, that's all we knew about prophetic ministry. We didn't, we didn't believe that there were even prophets on the earth. And then when, when we talked about apostles, those were the 12 guys that Jesus sent out and nobody even knew that they were alive on the earth. And so then you have this deal that I'm going to read in, in a minute in Ephesians 4. I'm just trying to do some groundwork. So, But the atrophied hand is, it happened through an injury or something that caused him where he was not used. So muscles atrophied or, or, or where muscles, muscles, <laughs> muscles waste away it is usually called by lack of physical activity. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Father, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Look at this in verse... In verse 11, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Again, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. And he has appointed some with grace to be apostles and some with grace to be prophets. Notice that he said grace here. So church, listen to me. If we only have a grace of one gift, how many knows we're, mal mal we're, we're, we're malnourished? What God wants is a full expression of his hand available to the church so that you and I can be complete, the full measure of the stature of Christ. This is what he's building. Look at this. And he's pointed some with the grace to be apostles and some with grace to be prophets and some with grace to be evangelists and with some with grace to be pastors and with some grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all, all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. Look at this. How many of God called you into full-time ministry. I'm not the only, listen, preachers are not the only ones in full-time ministry. All of us in this room are called into full-time ministry. You with me? I used to, I remember when I was um, in my early 20s, Pastor Parson was a was a real hero to mine in my early 20s. I mean, he still can't nobody out preach him, you know. Maybe Jake's can hold with him or whatever. But um, I remember going to, to Savannah, he came to the Johnny Mercer Theater. Remember that? He came to the Johnny Mercer Theater in Savannah. And I remember going to listen to him. 
And at the end, he closed out his messages. He said, I want all the preachers in the room to stand up. He said, I'm talking about full-time preachers, those that make their living by preaching the gospel. And I couldn't stand up, and I remember the way I felt. So I'm telling you, it was a powerful revelation to me when I realized that all of us in here are in full-time ministry. All of us in here have a job to do. And our job is not just to attend the local church. Our job is to find out the calling, the gifting that God has us in and activate that. Maybe your gift is writing, man. I mean, we've never been in a day where, where the church could be fully activated like we are today. And I'm sure Pastor Parsons didn't mean to beat us up like that, but that's just the way he did back then. All right. And they're calling these five, look at the hand, the hand's, the hand's job is to nurture and prepare all of the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. How is the body of Christ going to be built up? As what? The five trains the body to come into their calling. And as the body gets into its place, come on, y'all, and gets into their ministry, this is how it's going to enlarge the body of Christ. So the church does not depend, the growth of the church doesn't depend on how well the preacher's preaching. It depends on how well the body's activated. Man, I'm glad Sister Mary's back in the house. Gonna get some help today, Jesus. Come on. These grace ministries will function. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness into the faith. How long is the all five of the hand gonna operate until what? We all come to oneness. Listen, we've operated on the pastor and the teacher and the evangelist. Nobody mentions about the prophet. If you talk about prophets in the South, people look at you like you're crazy. If you talk about apostles in the South, people look at you like you're crazy. But these all will remain when? Until when? We all come. I got to find it again. Do we all cut to oneness, attain oneness into the faith until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God? My God, y'all, this is good news. Let me read this again. These five, when the hand, when the hand is released, it's going to bring us into a oneness into the faith, and it's going to bring us into an experience into the fullness what it means to know the Son of God. Man, am I the only one excited about that? And finally, we become one. We become one into a perfect man. This word perfect doesn't mean we'll be without fault or failure. It just means we're going into maturity, church. Church, I'm telling you, you couldn't be alive in a greater day than what you are right now. This is the greatest day to ever be alive. God is maturing the church on the earth to do signs, wonders, and miracles. And just as Moses went to Pharaoh and demonstrated the power of God, you and I will stand up to the kings of the earth and demonstrate the lordship of Jesus. Does anybody believe that in this room? Come on, somebody. My God, I cannot wait to CNN, Fox News, MSNBC when they have to turn the news cameras to what God is doing. How do you know this? Habakkuk 2.14 says the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That means everyone will see on display what he's doing. 
Joel said that his spirit will be poured out, Joel 2, 28. His spirit will be poured out on all flesh. That doesn't mean the Baptist church or just the church. Come on, somebody. On all flesh. That means Mormons. That means folks writing and in the street. All flesh is going to be poured. His spirit is going to be poured out. That's great, y'all. Oh, hallelujah. Look at this. My God. Into a perfect man. Look at this. With the full dimensions, with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity, fully developed into the abundance of Christ. And then our immaturity will end. And we will not be easily shaken by trouble, nor led astray by novel teachings or by the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. But instead, we will remain strong, always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into Him, the Anointed One, the head of His body, the church. Let's look right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I got a long ways to go. First Corinthians chapter 12. I live with the hope every day that the hand's going to rise. Just as it's risen in third world countries. I want to see the hand rise the way I've read about it. with Evan Roberts in Wales when the power of God shook an entire city and men could not even sit at the pubs in the afternoon because of the glory of God. Come on, y'all. I want to see it the way I read about it at the Mission House on Azusa Street with the William Seymour. An African-American man who was not even allowed to sit in the same classroom while Charles Parham taught. He was blinded with one eye due to smallpox, but he had a prophetic name, William Seymour. He was seeing more than the rest of his people around him. Come on, y'all. <laughs> a man with a blinded eye was seeing more than the people around him, and he told Charles Parham, I'll sit in the hallway if you just let me listen to your teachings. And Parham was teaching on the fullness of God. He was teaching about the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2. And William ran with that, and he went out to California preached in his first church and they threw him out and they got the little mission house on Azusa Street and he began to he began to, to, to teach in that place and the glory of God would fall in that place and the, the books I've read said that he would sit behind the pulpit to, with a chicken crate on his head until the power of God come in the room and then he would begin to minister people I'm telling you there's stories of that revival where the glory of God would come into that house and literally a cloud of glory that, that kids would run into that cloud and completely disappear for a moment it says that there would be times that fire, pillar of fires would come into that room and people that had lost limbs to farming accidents their hands would come back on their, their body their legs would grow back out in the 
the glory of God. See, when we talk today about that today, it seems so far-fetched because we're living in that Judges 2.10, a generation who knew not God. We have forgotten to tell the stories of God and hand them down to our children. But I'm here to tell you today there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. There's people waking up like William Seymour did that could see more, that refused to bow their knee to the religious crowd and are still preaching a God that has all power and is, can do all things to them that believe. Come on, somebody. We serve a God that can heal, deliver anything you need in this house this morning. I came to represent Yahweh, and he's still King of kings and Lord of lords. <laughs> All right, you ready? If you do here, I'm subject to holler at any time. I'm not mad at nobody. I do hate the devil, but I love God with all my heart. You ready? 1 Corinthians 12. Can I just can I just set this up? It's so good I can't just dissect this portion of Scripture. I feel like I would do it a dishonor just to read two verses of it right here. Listen to what he says, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. He said, my fellow believers, I don't want you to be confused about spiritual realities. For you know full well that when you were unbelievers, you were often led astray in one way or another by your worship of idols, which are incapable of talking with you. Look at this. Therefore, I want to impart to you an understanding of the following. No one speaking by the Spirit of God would ever say, Jesus, the accursed one. No one can say Jesus is Lord, Yahweh, unless the Holy Spirit is speaking through him. The Holy Spirit will always highlight his lordship, friend. Are you listening to me? He will always highlight his lordship. It is the same Holy Spirit who continues to distribute many different varieties, varieties of gifts. The Lord Yahweh is one, and He is the one who apportions to believers different varieties of ministry. The same God distributes different kinds of miracles that accomplish different results through each believer's gifted ministry as He energizes and activates them. Each believer is given continuous revelation by the Holy Spirit to benefit not just himself, but all. For example, the Spirit gives one the gift of the word of wisdom. Look at that. I want to go back to verse 7 right here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Look at verse 7 again. Each believer is given continuous revelations. I believe the King James or the New King James talks about different manifestations. That Greek word manifestation is a Greek word that means to shine on, to shine light on, or to render apparent. Remember this here. The Spirit gives one the gift of the word of wisdom. To another, the same Spirit gives the word of revelational knowledge. And to another, the same Spirit gives the gift of faith. And to another, the same Spirit gives of healing. And to another, the power to work miracles. And to another, the gift of prophecy. And to another, the gift of dis to discern what the Spirit is speaking. And to another, the gift of speaking different kinds of tongues. And to another, the gift of interpretation of tongues. Remember, it is the same Holy Spirit who what? 
distributes, look at this, he don't just distribute, what else does he do? Activate and operates these different gifts as he chooses for each believer. Now, how many's ever heard of John Wimber? John Wimber is really the father of the Vineyard Movement, powerful, powerful man of God who's impacted a lot of men that you are gleaning from their podcast today and you're gleaning from their stuff such as Bill Johnson, highly impacted by John Wimber. John Wimber would wear the flowery uh, Bermuda shirt or Hawaiian shirt, have a pair of khakis on and he'd say, come Holy Spirit, heal the sick and the sick would just get healed. Powerful, powerful meetings. In one of John Wimber's meetings, the power of God hit the stage and the guitars fell out against the wall. And as he fell out against the wall, the guitar around his neck, the guitar never stopped playing. The strings were being played just like he was playing it. And he was totally out in the Spirit of God. That's amazing stuff, y'all. I'm just trying to wear some appetite. How many wants to see something besides just normal church on Sunday morning? I long for the day that we have to explain what happened. Come on, y'all. New Testament preaching is an explanation, should be an explanation of what just happened during the worship service. Because see, the Bible says in Acts 2, they were gathered up in that upper room worshiping God. And the sound from heaven come and filled all the house where they were sitting. So Peter, when he got up to preach, he didn't preach from extensive study. He gave an explanation of what just took place during that worship service. He said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Come on, somebody. So John Wimber has an encounter with the Lord about this Greek word. Not mess it up if I can spell it for you, but I can't, I can't pronounce it because they didn't have Greek study when I was in the school over in Bacon County. You with me? But this Greek word means to shed light or to make apparent. And so this is where John Wimber coined the phrase which is where James Maloney wrote the book, The Dancing Hand of God. And what he talked about is that this word could represent, this word represents the finger of God being pointed at someone. And he says, you, Catherine, the gift of encouragement. You, Nicole, the word of wisdom. You, Cleve, the gift of prophecy. And he pulls out the scripture of Zephaniah 3, verse 17, where it says that God dances and rejoices over us with dancing. It's literally, as you and I worship God, God is worshiping back towards us, dancing in the realm of the Spirit. Come on, somebody. And so it's literally that God is dancing as he twirls between us, dividing gifts, and then wants us to activate the gifts that he's putting in our lives to reveal his hand on the earth. Another representation of this represents fingers off of a body of water. How many knows, man, we came from Wayne County, so we got the Ottawa Hall over there. It's a big river. Or if you get in the Gulf and you're going down the Gulf where we fish a lot, you'll see all these creeks and tributaries there. And you, when you see them on the graph, they're literally like fingers that stretch inland coming off of that large body of water. It's one spirit, but there's many fingers or parts of the hand in the body. God is looking to activate the hand in this region of the South, church. All right, let's keep going. You all right? 
I got, I'm just trying to lay some foundation to get to where I'm going to. If you listen to Perry Stone, it takes him an hour and a half to set up for a 15-minute message. So that's what I'm doing this morning. All right. Notice in, in 1 Corinthians 12, I want, I want to show you the difference here. In 1 Corinthians 12, these are gifts of the Holy Spirit given to each what? Believer. You all got a gift in this room. So I don't know what my gift is. I don't know what your gift is, but you got to find out what your gift is. Clues is what makes you cry, what makes you angry. Remember when Moses looked up and saw the Hebrews being beaten, he got ticked off about it. What makes you angry? One of the things that I'm a guy that loves justice. I could have been a lawyer very, very easily. I mean, I hate to see injustice. Whatever makes you angry, whatever you weep about, come on, y'all, whatever you love doing, those are gifts. And a lot of times we limit gifts in the church to singing, preaching. There's a whole lot more gifts than what's just highlighted in 1 Corinthians 12. You with me? All right. But the, but the ones mentioned where he said grace was given. Now, he, he, he didn't use the word gifts in Ephesians 4. These are callings. And I hate even using the word office because you are an elected into an office. These are not elected officials. Come on, y'all. Ephesians 4, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher are not elected offices. These are gifts of Christ himself. For the Bible says, yet that he had descended and then ascended, dividing himself up into gifts and distributing them into men. So one is the gift of the Holy Spirit. The other is the gifts of Christ. You can be prophetic, but it doesn't mean you're a prophet. One functions in the gift. The other is the gift. Are you with me now? And so, gosh, I don't know if I'm doing it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, look, look, let's look right here. Go to Exodus chapter 33. Chris is trying to help me calm down and try to, you know, where I won't come in here like slinging Tommy Hawks and swords, you know, because I watch myself and I'm like, my God, I look like a killer. You know what I'm saying? But anyhow, look at this in, in, in Exodus 33, verse 17. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken for you found grace in my sight and I know you by, by my name, by name. And he said, please show me your glory. Look at this heart cry of Moses. What does Moses want to see? The glory of God. God is not fixing to show him his glory. He's fixing to show him his backside. Where did God answer Moses' prayer? It took him 1,500 years to answer Moses' prayer. He didn't answer it here when he showed him the backside. This is where he showed him the history. Come on, y'all. This is where he got the five pennant, the, the, the Torah from, right here, in this, in this encounter with the Lord. 
But where he answered the question, I want to see your glory, he answered that in Matthew 17. When he took him up on the mountaintop, come on somebody, and he was transfigured and saw Jesus. God revealed his glory at that point to him. So look right here. He said, you want to see my glory? Then he said, I will make my what? Goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. Oh, I could preach right there. Only dead men, Tommy Tini says, see him. Come on, y'all. Only dead men see him, but there is a place where we can die. Come on. Paul made it there, Galatians 2.20. I no longer live, but Christ liveth in me. Look at this. Only dead men see his face. And the Lord said, here is a place by me. You shall stand. Notice I'm reading out the King James, or if you got the key, it says, you shall stand on the rock. He's not talking about Dwayne Johnson. Come on, church, you all right? You shall stand on the rock. Notice he didn't say, you shall go over there and stand by a rock. He says, you shall stand what? On the rock. So it shall be, while you're standing on the rock, while my glory passes by, now look at what he says, that I will put you where? In the cleft of the rock. Y'all, I'm trying to tell you, this ain't, no, this ain't no side of the mountain that he's sticking him in. 1 Corinthians 10 says that that rock was Christ. Come on, y'all. Y'all all right? He's putting him on the rock. He puts him inside Jesus. Now watch what he does. He says, then I will cover you with what? My hand. When we're in, when we're in Christ, Covered by the hand, the glory of God's released to the church. Man, there's so much I can preach. Well, you know, Pastor, listen here. We we don't we we it ain't about no man. We don't we don't need no we don't need listen, God will never listen to what I say. God will never, I don't care whether it's a house church, whether it's a five thousand seater church, whether it's two people gathered, wherever, God will never do away with the gifts and the instructional leaders and his delegated authority on the earth. Regardless of how many times we've been hurt by leaders, God will still never do away with it. Would you agree with me? Hey, there's bad parents in the earth, but we ain't done away with parenting because it is the only way to train children. All right. I want to see the glory of God. All right. You got to get in the rock. Got to have the hand covering you. With me? Let me tell you. All right. Let me just stay right here because I feel a little bumping right here. This is where we have made the mistake. We think the hand is to lord over us. The hand is never to lord over. The hand is to influence, to strengthen, to instruct, to mature up. The hand is never meant to fence in and to lord over. If, you, if you're in some place where they lording over you and control and dominating your life, I will tell you, get out of that environment because that's not the true gift of Christ at flow. That is a man or a woman with some control issues like Jezebel. 
I said, I said this sacred word in church, Jezebel. Ah, look at this. Y'all right? John 5. We talk about releasing the hand. Then Jesus, I'm in John 5, back in the Passion Translation. Then Jesus returns to Jerusalem to observe one of the Jewish holy days. He's observing a feast here. And inside the city near the Sheep Gate, there is a pool called in Aramaic, the House of Loving Kindness. The pool of Bethesda could also be called the House of Outpouring. How many wants the church to be called the House of Outpouring? Instead of the house of dried up or the house the lights is off, it is now once again known as the house of outpouring. Come on, y'all. What happens to the house of outpouring? A great number of sick folk are gathered. Folks, if people really believe God healed a cancer, we wouldn't, we, we, they would be beating the doors down. I've seen this happen. I remember in 2008 being in Tampa, Florida at a church in Tampa, Florida, where the power of God was on display, the leader of that congregation came out at 3 o'clock for a 7 o'clock service. The line was already lined up. By 4 o'clock, it was, a, it was like a, I think it was held over a little over 3,000 people. By 3 o'clock in the afternoon, there was nobody else. There wasn't even no need to wait in line because you wasn't getting in that church. I saw this with my own eyes. There was a blind man outside. He had the white cane, everything that goes with a, with a blind man's stuff or whatever. The greatest miracle I saw didn't happen inside the church. It saw with the healing of that blind man because he left his cane in the flower bed of that church and walked in that church with his eyes open. But listen to this. The leader came and stood on a six-foot ladder. They cracked open a window. And the, lead, and the pastor of that church says, if y'all don't stop biting, pinching, and trying to run over people, I ain't letting nobody in this church tonight. I said, did he say what? He said, if y'all don't stop biting, pinching, biting. I did not see nobody in the line under five years old. Why were they doing that? Because people believed that God was in that building to heal the sick. And the sick was showing up. Luke 5 says, when it was noise, or, or Mark, it was noise that he was in the house. When it was noise that he was in the house, when, the, when they had the four friends laid the paraplegic, there was no room to see re receive any more people. The reason why the house of God is not full, because it is not noised that he is in the house. Who is in the house is smoke machines. Come on, somebody. Flickering lights, some good palette on the stage. Come on, Pentecostal playboys behind the pulpit. But he's not in the house. When he gets in the house, it'll be noised abroad and there will not be no room to receive us. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the old-fashioned. I'm talking about Pentecostal Holy Ghost in this house. I'm about to take off running. Oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. Visitors saying, oh my God, this man's crazy. Listen to this. Listen, I got to go back to John 5 right here. Listen to this. Then Jesus said, return to Jerusalem to observe one of the Jewish holy days inside the city near the sheep gate. There is a pool called the house of outpouring. Now, first of all, what happened at the sheep gate? At, at the sheep gate. 
This is where the animal sacrifices came in, in the temple. This is where they killed the lamb. Any place you find the lamb, you will also find the pool. Now look at this. This pool is surrounded by three covered porches. How many is reading the Bible here? How many porches or coverings are associated with the house of outpouring? Somebody say the hand of God be released in this region. I long for the day we can truly lay on hands. All fivefold demonstration. Ben Jr. was talking about this week for last about because I believe God's always destined for the full expression to come from this house, all five. He said, at the pool of Bethesda, at the house of outpouring, there's five porticos in the King James, there's five porticos, and there lay a great number of sick folk. There was a man laid here for 38 years who, who when Jesus went by and said, wilt thou be made whole? He said, I have no man to put, put me in the water. For at a certain time of the year, an angel comes and he stirs the waters, and the first one who's in the waters, he shall be healed. But I have no one to get me to that water. If you have a new King James in your Bible, that, that, those words right here, the stirring of the water and all of that is italicized, means that it is not found in the original language. But it was added by the King James commentators to show us why would a great number of sick folk be laying at this place called the Pool of Bethesda with five porticos. Notice he's 38 years old. That's the exact number that the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. Come on, y'all. Deuteronomy chapter 2 says, For 38 years they wandered trying to find them place in the wilderness. This man's laying lame for 38 years. Those five porticos right there does not only mean the five-fold ministry. That's the five books of the law that Moses received in Exodus chapter 33. And Jesus was saying, you can preach all those laws you want to do, and these number of sick folks are going to keep laying right here. Come on, church. We can keep having it the way we've always had it, just preaching the do's and don'ts, and the sick folk going to keep laying at the house. Come on, somebody. Meanwhile, the living water. Come on, somebody. The expression of the Father standing there saying, hey, listen here, you ain't got to wait no longer for an angel to come once a season. You ain't got to wait for a revival every five years when some shiny shoe evangelist comes in here with a fresh anointing. You can have it today. Today is the day of salvation. Come on, church. You ain't got to wait for healing next year when you get to heaven today. I can be delivered today. I can be saved today. All right. Let's go right here. The first Kings 18. We're getting ready to. I'm getting, I'm, I'm almost got my stuff set up where I can open my iPad now. <laughs> people getting worried. I have seen you after being in ministry a little while, when you're when you're young and you first start. I remember having this young guy, I won't call his name, um, to come preach for me over in Alma. He walked to the pulpit. Hey, remember this? He had like 11 sheets of paper. And I said, oh, Lord, I hope he's quick, you know. Because I always use a Xerox piece of paper folded over, just jot a few little things to keep me when I'm scatterbrained. You know, a teacher, they, they take you on the interstate route. They go from exit 
37, 38, 39. Prophets and apostles, they go all the back roads to get you on the dirt roads. You know what I'm saying? Come back on the interstate, go off the other side. They take the scenic route. Catherine likes the scenic route. She's always, I tell her, I, say, I want to run the interstate. She says, no, let's get, I want to take the scenic route. She don't care if it's five hours and 68 minutes one way and two hours the other. She's wanting the scenic route. So I've learned, I've been married to her long enough now, I drive the interstate just close enough to get me to the closest point we can go on the scenic route. But I preach, I, I preach the scenic route. But he gets up behind the pulpit and an hour into it, then he's on like page five. I'm thinking, oh, Lord Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, you know, I hate to do that. You know what I'm saying? But we left the anointing after 30 minutes. <laughs> I got sense enough to know when people, you know what I'm saying, when the Lord's gone. I'm like, oh, <clears throat> he go by page seven with another 30 minutes into it. So at the end, I was trying to do some coaching a little bit. I said, you know, just because you got eight pages don't mean you got to go run through the whole eight pages. You need to set that up in like a, a series. <laughs> all right. Y'all right? First Kings 18. Look at verse 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there's the sound of abundance of rain. Can we say that, church? Does anybody, can I say it by faith, to believe, for anybody to believe there's a sound of abundance of rain? Right in the midst of a presidential election. Right in the midst of chaos in the streets. Right in the midst of upheavals in Washington, D.C., there's the sound of rain. Right in the midst of just old dead, old dry church in the south, there is the sound of rain. Here's the thing. Nobody else heard the rain. Who heard the rain? The prophetic gift. I said the prophetic gift. The Seymours, they hear it. Come on, somebody. And the prophets are declaring some great things. So said, well, I don't, I don't sense it. I'm not sure. I don't know. About Believe in the prophets so you shall prosper. They got ears that we don't have. Just like a teacher, he has notes that the evangelist could never dream of writing. The prophet says it's going to rain. Now let me tell you about, about getting hard with the prophetic, the danger in that. There's a reason why Paul writes despise not prophecy because we're all going to get reason to, to despise it. It's when you can't afford to hardly pay your rent you have no money. The prophet calls you out and says, I see a financial, I see a financial anointing on you. And you're like, is this dude high? I'm broke. <laughs> I mean, I'm living like a vagrant. And I mean, he's going to call me out like this. Graham Cook said that Oh, man, let me quit. I'm going to quit chasing rabbits. I got to go. That's too much of a scenic route right there. All right, there's this cloud the size of a man's hand. Y'all right? Sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground, and he put his face between his knees. Let me tell you something. I, I believe this. You cannot doubt 
in the night what God speaks in the day. And one of the one of the greatest things, one of the greatest weaknesses with the prophetic gift, especially those with seer gifts, is you see it so clearly. You see it like it's now. I mean, my God, I see it right here. But you can literally be seeing a picture of something that is a decade away from us. You with me? He bows his face to the ground. And he said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. I believe this sea right here represents the church. Go look at the church. John, go look at the church down in South Georgia and look and see if you see it. Nothing. Go look and tell me. What does it look like there in Adel? Nothing. Come on. What does it look like there in Redding? Heaven. Come on, y'all. We were standing on the front row in Columbus, Ohio. The guy that on staff there at Bethel, when we was there to see uh, at the call, he comes down to the front and he asks where it was and I can't remember who was the first one, maybe Stanton or Matt one of them said, we're from, we're from South Georgia first of all, he, was, he, he barely knew where Georgia was, then we told him South Georgia like every night you watch the commentators about what they see about Georgia every night the Dodgers gonna blow the Braves out, by the way we need every intercessor right here, nope, at least fast one meal, the day's game seven who, can, who in this place can fast? Leave God with us. Last night when the Georgia was playing, I watched the end of the halftime. What did Saban come off the field? And he said, our players were, they were, um, they were confused. We'll make adjustments. I said, yup, teacher will never beat father. You can close that TV off. <laughs> he says, go look at the sea. What do you see? His servant comes back and says, I don't see nothing. But the prophet had his head to the ground saying, I hear something. I smell something, man. I can smell it. I mean, I see it. I, I, it's, it's clear in here. Go look again. So he goes and he comes back and he says, there's still nothing. They still, this Sunday was just like last Sunday. He said, go look again. After seven times, he comes back and he tells the prophet, he said, I see something rising out of this sea and it's the cloud the size of a man's hand, the dancing hand of God rising up. It's small. It's the size of a small hand. It's, it, but there's a, he says, you go tell, he said, go gird up the horses. There's a flood coming because of that hand. I'm here to tell you what we are seeing now may be small in size, but I'm telling you the days of the voice of healing and all of this will be trumped by this last day's church. All right. I've done a lot of teaching here. I'm going to finish up with this real quick, okay? Show, show this. Uh, I'm just going to go off of this right here before I get into this other. Pull up this map right here. Let's show the people, those that knew, whatever. Let's, can you pull this up, fellas? All right. 
Man, we've been believing on this, contending on this for Georgia for some time. I mean, a long time. We've been running with this since Moses got buried. I first, I first heard this maybe around 2000, maybe around 1999 or whatever. So anyhow, the Lord really began to highlight this at the end of 2017, back in 2018, through some, through some handiwork and of the Lord and some connections in this house. Um, I, I heard standing one morning in worship, standing right there, I heard this word that the promise is still in the barns. And I was like, man, the Lord's got promises saved up in barns. And then as I begin to, to think about that, I believe it was Lee Barnes that brought this word to this house about this map that he had gotten. Well, the, the original guy that had this vision had it in 1990 in Sylvester, Georgia. And Sylvester, preaching. Yeah, I pulled it up this morning on my phone and just to make sure. In 1990, he was preaching in Sylvester, Georgia, went back, and, and the Lord woke him up. And he, and he said to get the map of the state of Georgia. And he got the map of the state of Georgia. And all of that was highlighted into like this oil lamp. Okay? There's a lot lot into this. I'm just telling you, man. That um, And so a lot of times when you get something, you think, my God, man, I mean, is this going to happen in two or three years? Let me just tell you something. God, there, God is a farmer. Anything that blows up overnight will fall. I can tell you that right now. The Bible says an inheritance gained swiftly will not be blessed in the end. Are you with me? So it takes time to build. Business, whatever you're doing, it just takes time. So, so in this thing is these different cities were highlighted. So where did the triangle come from? The triangle come really started being added to this lamp vision at the end of the 90s where I heard about it because I was not in the original body of the lamp. I was in the triangle. In 1999, I got on my job. They started sending me to the whole triangle, didn't it, Catherine? In the year 2000, I'm sorry, in the year 2000, I patrolled a fiber route on that whole top of that map, which was from Waycross. I would go down into Douglas, up to Waycross, uh, back up um, to Jessup, cut down 341 all the way into Baxley. Now it was extended north into Vidalia and come back down. And so the word was that this body, listen to me, that this body of believers was going to produce oil that would ignite that whole entire region. Now, he said he prayed over this. Listen to me. I had the, the word that we stood on in, in from 2008. He did this march in May 17th of 2008 on his 50th birthday. The man that received this vision did a, did a walk, a prayer walk from Brunswick all the way back into Waycross. And he's asking God, God, do what you said you were going to do in this region. He wanted to see the hand, what I'm preaching about this morning. Where is the hand expression in this region? I mean, because now the pressure of the church, y'all, let's just look at it. The pressure of the church is don't let anything happen on Sunday morning that's going to offend anybody. Nobody speak in tongues. Do not wave a flag. Do not prophesy. Don't cast out devils. Put coffee machines in the back and create this little safe environment. Do you read the book of Acts and see safe environments? Where did that come from? That's man's wisdom. There is a way that seemeth right unto man. Therein is destruction. Those type of churches are filled with people with atrophied muscles that are not being used and laying lame. All right. 
That'll give me some great emails tomorrow. All right. So in this, I'm like, okay, so, man, what is, so he kept saying, the only thing that I get, only thing I keep hearing is that there is, about Brunswick, is there is a wick that burns. Brunswick. Well, man, that's been a word hanging over that area for some time because I got a lot of friends in that region. We have did a lot of ministry in Brunswick and the islands and all of those areas. I'm connected with a lot of people through there. So then we go that Dutch sheets on the glory train going through Georgia. We go to we go to Brunswick. He comes through there. Oh, the Bob Jones prophecy, the glory train, the glory train coming through Georgia. What are they talking about? The wick that burns. I tried to tell a guy there about this vision or whatever, and I said, "Man, we got more prophetic stuff to drown anything that they talk about in this room." But because we didn't come in a Lamborghini, nobody didn't. Let's cast this off. I don't know why God chooses the weak to the, I don't know. So anyhow, I'm just thinking. Last thing I'm going to say about this lamp. I was cutting grass one day. There was a, there was a pastoral change in, 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 in Jessup. I have never fished for anywhere to be able to speak. I believe the, the gift of God makes room for itself. And, and whatever, when God gets right, he'll, he'll make the call for it. I've never fished. I've never called anybody and said, can I come preach for you? Except for this one guy. I was riding the mower and cut the mower off, ran inside. Catherine, remember this. I said, I'm telling you, God just spoke. I'm to take this map. I'm to go to this church, and I'm to prophesy the fire of God in this region. She said, are you going to call him? I said, yeah, I'm going to call him. She said, what are you going to tell him? I'm going to say, man, I'm, I'm coming to your church to preach. I didn't know what he's going to say. So I called him, and he says, um, Okay, uh, he said, let me pray about it. I said, man, God said this. I mean, I ain't no need to pray. I'd be like, you, you lost your, listen. I was young, you know what I'm saying? So anyhow, he calls me back, says, we're good. I've preached, I don't know how many times, I've preached everywhere. But I have never, I'm telling you, you remember to, I mean, I was quaking. Like I'm talking about under the power of God when I showed up. There was no doubt in my mind. The lightning bolt of heaven was fixing to hit this place. And it happened just like that. Boom. The power shook the leaders of the church, everything. He said, my God, we want you to come back and talk about this for, uh, uh, do a whole revival. Every night I teach on this. I said, man, I taught everything I know about it right now. You know what I'm saying? We're going to pray. They never called me back. Never, I never went back. She goes to Morningstar. This leader goes to Morningstar. Rick Jonas' team prophesied on and said, God has released strategy in a map for your region. He comes back and says, God's going to release a strategy in a map. I'm saying, yeah, he did. I brought it. I showed it up on your screen just like I'm showing it this morning. This is when I was 25. And I'm 41 still talking about it. And if I'll be 96 still talking about it because I believe with everything in my being that God said he was going to do something in this region. If he's not, it's all a bunch of, it's all a bunch of bones in his fake. Let's fold it up, close the doors of this place. Is it real, church? Come on, somebody. It's real. So, so then this whole, this whole regional area, and then it's like everything gets broken up. 
I mean, people leave, the connections go. I mean, like, what? Where's it gone? Where's the hand of God to be revealed in that region of the South? And I'm like, God, why didn't you call me to the North? First of all, it don't take long to listen to me speaking. You know I couldn't make it in the North. But why'd you just hand this little region of the South? I believe there's a whole lot more regions involved in that than just the South. That's just where the oil's got to get cooking. So what are you saying this morning, John? I'll bring it down to this. I know this, that the hand of God is pointed at your life to deposit something into your life. And he's longing for that expression to be revealed. And that expression is needed in that regional area right there. You with me now? So now, God starts in the last month, started rehooking up these cities in the past four weeks. God started hooking back these cities right here. We got meetings lined up next week with these points back on this map. So we go through. In 2000, before 2008, this man goes and gets this dirt. This dirt right here, I've showed this before in here. Just show you again. I just, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm staying on the same thing. I'm just going about it from different angles, okay? This is the art. The apostolic revival culture. The dancing hand of God. It's the same thing. The hand of the Lord. The atrophied hand being healed in the church with the expression of all of these ministries coming back, fully equipping the saints to do the work of ministry. Inside of this is a prayer movement. Come on, somebody. Inside of this is a worship movement. All of those things. Come on now. I don't believe that Mike Bickle has the monopoly on International House of Prayer, on 24-7 prayer. He actually borrowed that from David. Come on, who, who had 24-7 house prayer. So he goes to, they believe this so much. Man, when I talked to Lee Barnes, they rented vans and put vats of olive oil. They had this hose hanging out the window. Imagine that in the day's time getting pulled over. I would love to be the driver with Jake Hamilton cranked up. You know what I'm saying? Some Jake Hamilton. Worship and warriors arise. And about seven people in there just going off in tongues with a hose hanging olive oil out the window. Man, I would love to have that with Channel 10 videoing it. Jesus freaks the ones that you read of in the Jesus movement. So they, they pull a water hose out the back of the van. He said this, and they drove the whole area, dropping oil all over the ground. He said, that's just crazy. It's crazy. So then they go get dirt from every area. They go pick up dirt from all the cities. Listen to this. Then they drive to Atlanta and take the dirt, some dirt from the capital, and they put it in a jar. And the man carries it for 10 years. 2008, 10 years. I was graced to be able to get a meeting with him one year to the date after a 40-day fast where God told us to do something on Labor Day, Labor Day 2017, one year to the date I'm sitting in this meeting. And I sat down at the table and I began to just almost double over and cry. And he said, that's it, man. That's it. See, I think for a long time we thought we was going to run in here and blow up like the call and do great revivals and names going to be slung out all over the lodge list and everything else. But what it really was was about a burning heart for a region. And he goes to the truck that day and he hands me this in 2018. 
And he said, there's the dirt. Well, this dirt sets in my office, and I look at it for occasions or whatever. But this is the hand of God that's to be released in this region, church. Y'all all right? So what happens that? That means, that means we got to have a grace of the pastor at work upon the people. Because a pastoral grace heals the brokenhearted. There's never been a time on the face of the earth where more people's ate up by pain and rejection than right now. And what you got to know is that God is for you. When Jesus was on the cross, he was offered gall, which is a painkiller. When Jesus was dying on the cross, they offered him gall, which is a painkiller. They said, here, take this Demerol. Take this, Lord said, take this bar Xanax just to help you out. Jesus rejected every painkiller. The reason why he rejected painkiller, because he says, you know what? The ones coming after me is going to walk in pain. But I'm going to be able to take that pain from them right there. And I'm going to be able to heal their broken body. My God, that's good. The evangelist gives us a heart for the lost. If we really believe what the Bible says, if we really believe there was a literal hell, and by the way, I still believe in hell. Jesus preached on it 33 times. It is mentioned 83 times in your new in the Bible. I believe that there is a literal place called hell. Luke 16 is not a parable. It's not a metaphor. It is an actual account of a rich man named Lazarus, and, and a, I mean a man named Lazarus and a rich man who went to hell. Hell is a real place. Now, who in you after this church would pull up into your house and look at your neighbor's house on fire and pull your car in the garage and say, well, somebody else has called a fire department. You'd be doing everything you could to get your neighbor's house out, uh, to be able to try to out that fire. Well, let me tell you this. The people that we work around that do not know the Lord Jesus, they're on literally fire. And somebody's got to tell them, how will they know unless the preacher be sent to them? Romans 10. Who's the preacher? Not the ones paid behind the pulpit. It's you. You tell them the story of your life. So evangelist, when he preaches, he reminds us. When a pre- when evangelist gets done, you know what we do? Oh my God, where's the tracks at? We got to get some tracks. Let's go down here to hit, the, I mean, every place we got. We running through the neighborhood, knocking on the door. I got a call the other day from a Jehovah's Witness that said because of COVID, we can't, we can't uh, knock on doors. But can I tell you what God said? And I said, I'd love to hear. No, can I tell you what God said? I'd love to hear what God's thinking. I just let them go on and on. They called me two or three times. But when they called me this week, so I'm going to give them the final blow. You know what I'm saying? I said, I want to know what the Holy Spirit's thinking. What's Jesus thinking? Because you can destroy it with John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Let's pray. Let's pray for the hand of God to be released. Can we do that? Can y'all stand up with faith right here, ready to go? And let's pray over the region of the map. Stretch your hands up. Let's just pray right here. Father, we just pray.
You know, if you read in Isaiah where it talks about the repairs of the breach, it talks about a broken people being healed and mended. And they became the repairs of the breach, the restorers of the old waste places, who those lives have been ravaging. Father, I pray a healing grace over this congregation right now. Father, that you would mend every broken area of our hearts this morning. Father, the pain of rejection, Lord God, you'd begin to deal with those things. I'm so excited about the days ahead that with Catherine being trained in Revelation Wellness and Allison being trained in Revelation Wellness, just being able to get these chairs out of this room and see people in here moving their bodies, hearing the Word of God over their lives. Because Revelation Wellness is not about just losing weight. It's about getting rid of the weights that so easily weigh us down. You with me? And we begin to teach the full, I mean, the really a full expression of the gospel. We begin to hear teaching about the body, our own physical body, how to take care of it. The reason why this pandemic ate us up left and right is because we're not healthy. You agree with it? So, Father, I pray, God, a healing grace will be released today over this house. I pray today the people of God will be leave, leave this place with hope today. I pray that you would ignite the gift of faith like never before. You would let hope arise in us to believe, God, that we would not be discouraged with the prophetic. We would not be, we would not be just where we've just been like, oh, I'm just kind of jaded in that area. I'm tired of hearing around the hill over the next curve. It could be this. I thank you that we're in it right now. We're in it right now. We're in it right now. I wrote in my journal, I looked again on December the 4th. I said the baby, the time for the baby to be birthed is now. How many believe that right here? You've got to speak it out of your mouth. You've got to speak it out of your mouth. Have you ever talked to a pregnant person? They're going to the baby with, it's right now. Just, just Father, right now, give us grace to believe. Give us an expectation in our hearts. And Lord, I just pray that you'll heal the discouragement and all of those things in our hearts in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Will you give God a great God bless you? Look at here, friend. We, we, uh, we look forward to seeing you next Sunday. We'll see you on the live stream Wednesday. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week.